This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher brought to you from PreachingToday.com and I am here with my guest co-host, co-host Kevin man. Miller. I got a promotion, remember? Uh, you did, yes. Yeah, okay. I hope you saw that bump in your pay. So, um, Yeah, double zero is zero. <laughs> so, Kevin, today we are going to talk about something that is uh, on your heart, and you've done a lot of thinking on this and some writing and some even a workshop. You have done a whole workshop on conclusions to your sermon, conclusions that are satisfying and strong, or what you call, in a memorable phrase, sticking the landing. I love that phrase. You like that? It's brilliant. Where did that come from? That was your idea. I know. That I was know. your phrase. That was my phrase. Yeah. I'm glad you still like it. And and you, <laughs> we are referring to like a gymnast, right? Yeah. So tell if you, us. Well, yeah. if you want to do something fun, uh, go on out to YouTube. In fact, we'll put some links in the show notes and, and just like uh, watch watch a clip of failed or botched Yes. landings in gym- gymnastics episodes. There's the guy who slips off the high bars. There's the one who slams off the uh, the parallel. Yeah, it's just it's yes. great. It's right. really fun. Well, my favorite one was the guy who falls off his mat into the mat of the gymnast working next to him <laughs> <I'd> <laughs> to and wipes that. out that routine too. <laughs> yes. and then, but then watch one of, of stuck landings. Mm. Um, you know, highlights from the Olympics and from yeah. world championships and national finals. And they're so satisfying. They're so exciting when some yeah. tumbler comes off in this amazing flurry of motion and then just sticks Boom. the landing. Sticks it. And I think just as that matters a lot in a gymnastics routine, the landing matters a lot in a sermon. So we all know what a bad sermon landing looks like, a bad conclusion. We've probably been in one where we think, oh my gosh, I don't know how to end this thing. I'm in a loop, and it's terrifying. Or we've watched other preachers like, this guy does not know how to stick this landing, and it's just going on and on. So what what makes a good landing? Tell us about that. Well, you know, I don't think we give enough thought to that. Um, and in fact, when I went through the preachingtoday.com archives, which has almost 1,200 articles on the fine art and craft of biblical preaching, I don't think I found more than about three or four that were focused just on conclusions and landings. And so that is shocking. Yeah. I'm going to talk to the okay, editor yeah. about this. Yeah. The hey, powers hey, hey, he that needs be. to do something about that. I am, this, okay, is, yeah. this is going to change. Okay. Heads, heads, heads will, will roll. roll. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing the podcast uh, next time by myself, <laughs> apparently. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, I've come to the conclusion that it what we generally do, because we don't know what a, entail, a good landing entails, is we default to whatever is true in our tradition. So mm. when I was growing up, the Lutheran pastor I used to hear preaching would end by saying the words from a hymn text. So mm. it might be—and he, he sort of intoned it a little bit. So it would yeah. be, Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. And then he would end that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was in a, a charismatic church for a while, the, the closing words of the sermon were always, the altars are open. Right. Great. Which meant, yeah. you know, time for you to come forward and get prayer from yes. one of the elders right. for and, what that sermon was and about. And we know in our Anglican tradition, it's, 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how to end this, but let's just, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or in the African-American, you yeah. get hooping, and, and yeah. the organist slides right. up and starts playing, and, and there's cues that it's ending. Yeah. But like, what I wanted to do was think about it from the listener's point of view mm. and say, what do we need to do so that the listener thinks that, wow, that was a good landing? Mm. And I've come up with three. So ah. let me try these out on YouTube. Number one. All right. Number one is, I know what this sermon was about. Hmm. Which sounds like, duh, obvious, but I mean, have I'm sure you've heard a sermon, as I have, and I've thought to myself, I'm not 100% sure what that sermon was about. Right. And I know I've preached some like that, be, that my wife has commented to me. <laughs> we didn't know what it was yeah, about. Yeah. I so hope, hope people, you enjoyed that. <laughs> good luck with our people figuring out. And I think it's because we didn't get 110% clear on the big idea of mm, our sermon. Yeah. And as Haddon Robinson, the late, great Haddon Robinson, yeah. used to say, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. Mm. So yeah. I, what I do now is when I am in the process of developing my sermon and I finally get to that big idea, I actually type that into my Word doc at the top of the wow. sermon yeah. notes. And every time I come back into that sermon to work on it, yeah. there's my big idea. So, yeah. uh, for example, what, what's a recent sermon you preached and, and what was the big idea that was the clear center of that sermon. Yeah, well, I preached on Zechariah from Luke chapter 1, and the big idea was Jesus can help turn your unbelief into belief. Okay, so, I, yeah, I love that. It's yeah. simple, it's clear. Yeah. And so what we want to do in the ending, once we know that that's the big idea, is make sure that the ending reinforces mm. double underlines yeah. and exclamation points that big idea. Yeah, that's really good, because I think sometimes we try to smuggle in Another point or oh another my gosh. idea. I think the... that's one of the main reasons endings go bad is because we have one and a half great idea things to say, and we want to squeeze in that other half. Yeah. And I've just had to discipline myself, and it is a spiritual discipline, to just say one thing. That's like a stutter step uh, landing. Yeah. It's a hop. It's a hop. Multiple hops. You know, one of the great examples of this you can find in the Preaching Today archives is by John Ortberg in his sermon called The Fourth Man in the Furnace. I love that sermon. Where he talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the big idea of the sermon is that God will be with us in our trials. And John coins this phrase, which also is a good example of a promise of God I'll meet you in the furnace. And in the final 10 minutes of that sermon, I counted, there were nine times where he said, I'll meet you in the furnace. It was like a drumbeat. Yes. So when I finished that sermon, I knew exactly what it was about. In whatever my furnace is, God promises, I will meet you there. Right. And that's what we want in a landing is for the listener to be able to say, I know what this was about. Yeah. That's really powerful. That's helpful. How about uh, you? Ready to move on to number two? I am. That's all I had to say. Oh, oh I'm sure. You, <laughs> I'm sure you could talk for days about just point number one alone, because right. you are brilliant. Hey, thank you, thank you. Although you were brilliant in sticking the landing, that's true. Giving me that image. Yeah, <laughs> this is over the top. Okay, it is. The second thing I want my listeners to be able to say at the end of a sermon is, I know what to do. I know what to do. I know what to do. Not only do so I, know I know what the sermon yep. is about, but I know what to do. I know what to do. <clears throat> now, uh, hopefully, we've done application throughout the sermon. Yes. Um, but in the conclusion, this is where you're really laying out for people how to uh, respond to this great truth of God. And uh, I, I want to quickly say, I know there are some traditions where it's okay to uh, sort of say that the Holy Spirit is the one who applies the Word to His right. people. And so maybe the conclusion of the sermon is, 
And may the Holy Spirit of God apply to our hearts today the truth of his word. Right. Well, I agree that the Holy Spirit does apply the truth of God's word to our hearts, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't use the preacher. Mm. (laughs) I really Mm -hmm. agree with Haddon Robinson that the preacher's job is application. And when you look at sermons like Joshua's in the Old Testament, he applies it. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Right. That's pretty clear. That's really clear. Peter, in his great sermon on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts— Repent and be baptized. Right. And so there's this clear sense of this is your way to respond to the truth and the action of God. Yeah, that's really good. Or John the Baptist, uh, you know, that's where the people ask, how shall we then live? And he tells them. Yeah, you got and two tells, coats? Yeah. Give, give one out of the way. You don't it, need the second one. He gives different groups of people different applications. Yeah. And you know your people, so you can do this better than anybody else. Yeah. Now, I do want to say that by application, I know, Matt, you and I aren't saying like it's a check the box thing or it's implying that it's all up to you. Yes. I've been influenced by Daryl Johnson's great book, The Glory of Preaching, that application is even more invitation. Ah. I imagine myself as the preacher saying, hey, there's this whole world of Narnia, and now let me invite you into it. Here's through the fur coats. Suddenly you'll feel branches, and then suddenly, boop. A goat-footed fawn carrying right. an umbrella, and you're talking to Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> Wait, I think this, Wait, I think we, this illustration we went way no, too yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm in Narnia now. All I'm inviting people to do is step into this whole world of the mm. gospel, and I'm and here's how you can take that step. Yeah, I love that. So, for instance, when I preached on Psalm 119, one application could have been, I want you to spend the next 30 days reading one chapter out of the book of Proverbs or something like that. That's a legitimate application, but but I went more for, um, I, I want you to ask the Lord to give you a delight in his word. You know? mm. Just pray for a delight in his words. That was the application. Okay, Sunday. now I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's very right. clear. Right. Um, okay, so uh, number, th- you ready well, for number no, three? Well, no, I'm not to- ready to move oh, on. Oh. I want to say something else. Okay. Um, We're not ready for you to move on I, either. I, for a while in my preaching, I assumed if I made clear what it is that people mm. could do to step into this great yeah. gospel truth, that my job was done. And I now don't think that. Yeah. I think that not only do <clears throat> they need to know it, they need to be able to see themselves ah, doing it. Good. A lot of people, they go, oh, well, that sounds great for somebody else, maybe a mature right. Christian, maybe a Christian who's not as messed up as I am, whatever, whatever. Sure. And they don't see themselves being able to do it. Part of what I want to do is I want to help them to envision themselves doing it. Yeah. So like uh, one thing that Andy Stanley does at the end of many of his messages, it's what's called the we move yes. at the end, is that he'll, he'll say, yeah, imagine if every one of us here this morning were to mm. obey the Lord Jesus Christ yeah. in this matter. Imagine what that would do in our families. And, and then he'll just kind of pause and let people start to picture, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, Thanksgiving really would go better, wouldn't it? Yeah. Imagine what it would do in our mm. workplaces. Imagine what it would do in our homeowners associations. And, and it would ripple out. Yeah. This, and, and all of a sudden you're, you're feeling uplifted because you're seeing what it would be like for the gospel to spread and for you to be part of it. Uh, another thing I do is uh, I call it the Everyday Disciples Illustration, yep. and there's a checkbox yeah. for that on preachingtoday.com. It catches ordinary believers in our day and time doing the gospel in some way, living that, it out. That is brilliant, appealing to the imagination and the heart. So yeah. powerful. Okay, number three. All right, number three is, uh, and remember, our first one was, I know what the sermon is about. Mm-hmm. Second is, I know what to do. Yep. 
And the third is, I know it's over. I know it's <laughs> over. <laughs> Great. But, but there should be a feeling of emotional closure. It's uh. so, something that kind of satisfies. Like, for example, yeah. in, in every action movie, the final scene doesn't have explosions. It doesn't have any more fear. Mm. The evil CIA boss has either been arrested or killed. And now what you have is the brave team is kind of there together at a cafe in Vienna, and they're sort of laughing and joking and kidding each other about the next mission they might do and whatever. Yeah. And so there's this kind of sense like, oh, okay, now this mission has been completed. This movie is done. Yeah. Um, and a rom-com. The couple has finally worked through all the things that were keeping them apart, and now they're together, and they're going to live happily f- yes. ever after or whatever. And sometimes that doesn't happen. We don't have that sort of emotionally satisfying sense. Maybe it's because our English teacher in high school taught us to say what you're going to say, say it, then say what you said. Mm-hmm. And so you get kind of this encyclopedia summary, but you don't get like an emotionally satisfying conclusion. Yeah. That is really good. Um, can you think of an example where you, you, you did that? I mean, where you just felt like you really stuck it well. well I, of course you do that every time you preach. But just, just one in particular. Well, one I do think of because it's fairly fresh in my mind. I preached recently from Luke 16 where Jesus tells the parable of the unjust steward, yeah. which I called the tale of the crooked money manager. And the big idea was Luke 16, 9. Use money now to make friends who will welcome you into their eternal dwellings. Mm. So basically, we use money in a way where people will welcome us into eternity. Yeah. And so the closing illustration was an everyday disciples illustration of my dad, who, uh, you know, he didn't become a believer until he was 60. So I talked about him yeah. coming forward in this formal Gothic church, yeah. slapping his cigarettes on the altar. So people get the idea. This was uh-huh. a real guy. Yeah, right. He got himself yeah. a pocket-sized King right. James, who does that, yeah. and started reading and started giving money away. And when he yeah. died, suddenly at 70, and I went out to the funeral, this woman came up to me and she said, you don't know me, but your dad, uh, I was in this terrible abusive marriage. Huh. And I thought my... If I don't get out, my husband's going to kill me. Mm. Um, But I didn't know how to support myself, and I didn't know what I could do to support myself and my daughter. And your dad paid for me to go to community college, and I got my associate's degree, and now I'm working as a dental hygienist, and my daughter and I are making it. Mm. And I just wanted you to know, if it weren't for your dad, I wouldn't be alive today. And then the closing was... In just a very short time, we will go to the funeral home, and then we'll step into our eternal home. Yeah. I wonder right. what stories they'll tell about you. Oh, boom. Yeah. So You stuck it. Yeah. So, I mean, that was deeply emotional. You're not going to sure, use the personal. death of a parent every right. time. Um, but what you're trying to do is bring that sense like, yeah. okay, it's landed. There's nothing yeah. more that can be said. Kevin, this is so helpful. I love these three principles, and I, I would just imagine that this requires a lot of work from preachers. I mean, I, I think sometimes our intros and conclusions require the most amount of work. And you I think we work really hard on our intros. Yes. We know those have to be engaging. Yeah. I'm not sure we give as much work to the yeah. conclusion. Right. And I think it's worth more, more right. effort than we maybe generally do. We run out of time. Yeah, right. And we just kind of—and yeah. may the Holy Spirit apply this truth. So this is great encouragement to be intentional, um, to write it out carefully, to think through, 
how do you want to stick your landing? So, and now we got to stick the landing on this episode. So, great advice from Kevin Miller here. This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher. Hope you join us for our next episode. That was pretty good, Matt. I think you could have done better. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you weren't pointing your toes. <laughs> 9.7. Okay. <laughs> this episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.